welcome to week 28 of the 52 week film project this is actually believe it or not take three of this intro uh we both got a case of the evening giggles both times and couldn't get through it um this evening we have a whole range of yes you guessed it superhero themed stuff um, we are going to be reviewing spider-man into the spider-verse yep we're going to be reviewing aquaman and yep Obviously, we have some more superhero news, but a bunch of other interesting stuff in there as well for, you know, regular people that aren't massive comic nerds. How are you doing, William? Not too bad. That was a great intro. I think the third time really I'm nailed breathing. it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you went into full podcast mode. That was amazing. Um, yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm a bit hungover. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm trying to perk up for the podcast. Mate, I'm, this I'm here. the time to be hungover. This is the 21st of December. You've got to keep drinking. Do you have to keep drinking? Yeah, it's Christmas time now, mate. We both both finished work for a week and a half. We got we got power through. That's true. Well, no, I'm back on Friday. Oh, that's. Nice. I know. Well, so you get you get Christmas Day and Boxing Day, and then no. So I'm so I'm off. I'm going to Tallinn in Estonia for Christmas for Christmas, which is exciting. Um, with my mum, it's gonna be beautiful. It's like we, I think we're sledding with huskies, so I'm very excited about the whole thing. Wow! All right, yep. this is news to me, people. <laughs> yeah, sorry, cool. I haven't really talked I, about I'm it. Spending it in, sorry. Yeah, um, fair. Um, and then I'm going back on the Friday or the 28th to just get shit done, and then I'm going away for New Year's Eve to Middlesbrough. So I've got a very exciting Christmas and New Year's and birthday. So in planned. case anyone cared, Will has a very busy schedule. I'm busy, busy, busy. Can't be affording <laughs> to waste my time drinking. But this is our final episode of the year. Um, this is our final episode before Christmas. So we thought the other week we would do a secret Santa. Mm. Um, but we kind of realised that when there's two blokes doing a podcast <laughs> together, it's not really going to be particularly secret who's getting who. So, Will, sh- would you like your Christmas present, mate? Yes, I would love it. I'm now so let's, excited. Let's, let's see how well this translates on audio with people <laughs> not being able to see it. Um, here is your very, very cheap and cheerful Christmas present, mate. Nice. Oh, you vaguely wrapped it. I like that. <laughs> the wrapping is incredibly vague. There is no sellotape. The present is unravelling as we speak. Oh my gosh! It's that's incredible. It's a Christmas turkey slippers. Those are and you've got my shoe size right. That's incredible. Um, oh yes, <laughs> that is amazing. Um, they're so cool. I love the fact there's drumsticks as like sort of wings. You know, like um, the the old Flash's um, shoes. Yes, like, like the like the aerodynamic flicks on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you yeah. have. Tur- turkey lightning turkey boots mate for christmas <laughs> i love the, the holly touch is gorgeous they look soft don't they? they look like they reminded me of like homer simpson slippers yeah yeah i agree they are proper like you put oh, your foot so you put your foot in well. them and you can't see your foot anymore jake i, I don't think you understand how much I'm, I'm how really excited i am to have these i've now got because my um I, the last pair of slippers i got given was from my ex-boyfriend and he it was a wonderful present for, from him, but they got my shoe size wrong, so I, so they don't really fit the end of my shoes. This is you've got you. It's fantastic. It's novelty. It's fun, and it my it will fit my feet. So oh, thank you mate. so much. Happy Christmas. Um. So my present. Um. It's underneath. I'm just gonna. Just, <laughs> it's in a plastic bag. It, it's <laughs> spoiler. Jeez, I haven't wrapped it, but um. I think you'll be very impressed with this. Um. It was on sale, and um, you'll it love it. It's on sale. It's underneath the black thing. It's underneath. It's not the, the black, black thing. thing. What Can you the, tell what, what is it? the black thing? There's a oh, it's my mum's birthday present. It's passed through it, passed through it. So Will has... <laughs> no, because I was Will hiding has, it with the black. Will has wrapped my Christmas present with his mum's Christmas present. It's genius. It's genius. <laughs> All right. Oh, that is pretty cool. Yeah, you see? That is pretty cool. So Will has got me a one of those pop figurines, um, and it's of Spider-Man, but it's the Iron Spider. So not only is it relevant to... 
the episode we've got today reviewing yep. Spider-Man's The Spider-Verse, but it's also the coolest spider suit, let's be honest, Correct. from Avengers Infinity War um, that Tom Holland wears. And it's also relevant to every single episode of the podcast because we bring up Infinity War every single episode oh, mate, of the podcast. Oh, this is brilliant. This is so good. Thank you very much. Cool. He can go right next to the two other pop figures that I have, one of which is Deadpool Bob Ross, which mm. currently I have in the office. Um, it's on the side. And then I also have John Wick. Um, I did not know you had John yeah, Wick. Yeah, I don't know where he is. I've lost him. He's probably, got, <laughs> he's probably gone to wrap up filming of that third movie they're doing, but he'll be back. Yes, he will be back. Um, thank you very much. No, Happy Christmas. don't worry. Happy Christmas. Um, shall we get on to the news? Yes. Let's. Let, I, I'm going to go... Because my, my news stories make sense if I go last. So I'm going to say you go first. Okay, perfect. Well, first big bit of news for the week. We had two new trailers for two films that have been hotly anticipated. Um, <laughs> both coming out next year. You've got Hellboy, which is coming out in April 2019. And you have got Men in Black International, which is coming out in the summer. Now, me and Will both sat down and watched the trailers. Will for the first time, me for like the third or fourth time uh, just before recording. Um it's a very mixed bag, man. Like, I was I was really excited for this new Hellboy. I know that the guy that made the original comics, Mike, Mike Magnolia, is really involved. Um, the, the Hellboy that they've got is David Harbour from Stranger Things. He looks truer to the comics. So it's meant to be R-rated. So it kind of ticks all these boxes of like, okay, the original Guillermo del Toro Hellboy films were great. But if you are going to reboot it, reboot it right and make mm. it make it ultra violent because they were twelves, weren't they? Yeah, they, they were twelves. You know, they were dark, but they weren't like bloody. Um, but the trailer, man, it's cringy. The humor is like Deadpool if it was written by like interns. The aesthetic looks like it's been filmed like London has fallen. Yeah, that's really weird. It's it, all based in London. It looks like a sort of grotty bodyguard filter, feels, which is not Hellboy. Feels really generic. Like they've cast Ian McShane as Hellboy's father. <laughs> we and hate I mean, Ian McShane. Oh, he's just—he's so fucking boring. Like him and Alec Baldwin can piss off and just have their own <laughs> little like arrogance party in Saturday Night Live. Um, well, isn't Ian McShane the person who spoilt? The fact that he was in Game of Thrones and spoiled what happened with yeah, his character. Yeah, and he was just like, oh, it's all tits and dragons, who cares? When he, like, that was his response when people called him out for spoiling it. It's like, come on, mate. He also did American Gods, which is based on the Neil Gaiman book, which is an amazing book, but the, we both struggled to watch that TV series. I thought it was. I thought the first episode was good, but then it just didn't follow up. Like It was just too yeah, weird. It, it didn't really have so a through line. So yeah, long-winded. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I don't know, man. It's it's thrown me off a bit. I... I there's definitely been films this year where we've seen one trailer and been like, mm, and then they brought out more trailers, which have kind of, you know, changed the way they're portraying the film. And we've been like, oh, actually, all right, fair play. Maybe we were a bit misled by that first trailer. I'm hoping this is the case with Hellboy because I'm very excited about this. And I'm very excited to see David Harbour do something that's not Stranger Things because mm. he's a phenomenal actor, man. Um, and I kind of want him to push into A-list territory. Yeah, definitely. Um, but the other trailer, Men in Black International, uh, this is the Men in Black reboot, which is in the same universe, but it's going to be set in the UK with Liam Neeson, Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, the lady of the year. Um, oh, Thompson. Emma Thompson is reprising her role from Men in Black 3 as um, Agent K or whatever she's called, who's like the head of the American branch of the Men in Black. Um, Did you say Emma what? Emma Thompson. Oh, I thought you said Emma Watson. I was no, confused. Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. Sorry, I was like uh, Love Emma... Actually. You know, yes. Didn't get. Didn't I, get, I didn't know get Emma... the necklace. Got the CD. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it is Christmas, folks! <laughs> Happy Christmas! <laughs> <laughs> Emma Thompson gets cheated on by Alan Rickman. Merry Christmas! <laughs> oh, <no>. um, 
but yeah, no, this this film like it has great actors, like actors and actresses that me and you both really like and really enjoy. And obviously, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson did for Ragnarok together. I just the trailer seems quite lazy. It doesn't seem very immersive. There's hardly any aliens in the trailer, and I'm sure they're holding that shit back because it is the first trailer they've released. But it just seems a bit plain, doesn't it? It looked like the. Do you remember the Mila Kunis, um, Kate McKinnon film, like the spy film that was out this summer? Amazingly, I do. Yes, that <laughs> film. Um, the spy not you killed me. What? Yeah, that. It looked like a trailer for that. Or the spy who dumped me, or something like that. Yeah, oh, whatever. It's called. No. Spy who dumped me. You're right. Um, it looked like that and it didn't look like a men in black film it yeah. just looked like a kind of chick flicky like like action comedy also they've called it international and it's being directed by the guy that did the fate of the furious which is the most recent fast and furious film right. which notoriously up the ante as it were by like globe trotting in the film and going to all these different destinations and i feel like this guy i've forgotten his name but i feel like he has a real thing about doing adventure action movies that have to go to four or five different exotic locations Wars. you know with international in the name they're clearly not just going to be in the uk yeah. the us um and there's a bit where tessa thompson's fighting what looked like a five-armed cleopatra or something which sounds really exciting wasn't very exciting in the trailer no, it was it was a it was a poor elbow because like she's fighting with her arms and elbows and it look she's just not fighting wrong. <laughs> it was a poor elbow. It are is you, a poor elbow. Are you critiquing the five armed Cleopatra's Correct. fighting technique? Correct, because it's because it's not actually her fighting technique. It's a stage cho- choreographer who's teaching her how to fight, and it looked weak. Oh, mate, I already know this film's gonna piss. Us off. <laughs> no, but you say that, and then we were like, we what would what was the film that we really thought we weren't gonna like? Aquaman. Um, yeah, 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 true. But spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> What's your first bit of news? My first bit of news. Um, this is the actual first bit of news that I have, and then my other two bits of news are sponsored by the Fleetwood Mac album Rumors, because, <laughs> um, because it's not really pieces of news; they're just rumors. Um, so my first piece of actual news is that Ludwig Göransson is Ooh, to score our favourite composer our new favourite composer um, he's done Creed he's done Creed 2 he's done Venom he he's done does all the Childish Gambino music yes he does indeed um, including Camp because the international wake of my love I've got it in my notes um, he's scoring um, one of my favourite projects that's coming up is that he's scoring Star Wars Mandalorian what the TV series? The TV series that's coming Ooh, out. Oh, exciting! I'm... It sounds like Hans Zimmer is getting a run for his money. Yes, finally. Fucking which is... finally! How many jobs can you give to one human being? Mm. Well, yeah, and I hope that. Well, I really want the guy who did the Hereditary soundtrack. I can't remember his name now as well. Him, I want him to be like getting more lauded because that was such a good soundtrack. Um, but yes, he's he's excited about the project. He says that he wants to. Um, hang on. In these next months, I hope to honour the tradition of Star Wars' musical landscape whilst propelling the Mandalorian into new and uncharted territory. Um, it'll be interesting to see what take he does on the Star Wars sort of classic big brass score, um, especially when you have things like the Venom soundtrack and the Black Panther soundtrack, which are more sort of, I, I, I don't know what inflection, but, but to me it's more sort of like traditional African and uh, R&B hip-hop inflections in there whilst also being a film score um so it'll be interesting to see what he does with it um i hope that he doesn't play on the um the recent um choice in like one two and three star wars to have the mandalorians as um like of maori descent and of um samoan descent 
and yeah. have them like that. I think it'll be in if if it's like that and it's sort of like traditional Samoa music, it might be okay, but it also might be quite. If, if done wrong, it might be quite patronizing. That's my thoughts. Yeah, there. true, true. Um, especially because it's it's a Mandalorians are an alien species and not Samoans. Um, yeah, you don't want to go all Moana on them. Exactly, exactly. And Disney will You're insta- welcome. D- Disney will instantly be like, "Oh, we've got contacts." <laughs> oh god, yeah, exactly. Get Dwayne the Rock in there. Um, but yeah, that's my first piece of actual news and my final bit of actual news because the rest is rumors. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> um, my next bit of news is we finally got some more clues about Jordan Peele's follow-up film to Get Out. Now it is not a direct Get Out sequel. He hasn't confirmed whether it kind of fits into the same universe or the same kind of law as get out uh, but it's going to be called us um a while ago uh, lupita nyongo was cast in a leading role mm. um, and there was a really awesome bit of news that came out a long time ago which i found today when i was looking all of this up again and it's uh, it was kind of when she was first announced she said that um when she got the role uh peel gave her 10 classic horror films to watch for what he required to be a shared language between cast members. So he gave Ooh. her he gave her titles ranging from Stanley Kubrick's The Shining to uh, Michael Haneke's Funny Games, which is one of my favourite movies of all time, um, to, like, there's even, like, a French, ex- like, new wave extremity film called Martyrs that I have no idea about. But the whole purpose of this is he seems to be giving his kind of core cast 10 movies that he wants to shape their perspectives when they film this. We should do that. This. And then we could be part of the cast. Yeah, maybe. Because we'd should. have a shared language with Lupita Nyongo and Jordan Peele. Do you not think we have much of a shared language? Yeah, we have a shared language between us, but I'm saying like... It doesn't we... translate very well to me. <laughs> <laughs> Week 28 of the podcast. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. Um, but yeah, no, so just to, just to finish up, it, it's called Us. Um, it's again being made by Blumhouse. Um, and all we know about it really is that it's about a family that comes face to face with a monster at a beach house. Um, the images that have been released kind of look a bit Walking Dead-esque. Um, and there's also a, a picture of the Wilson family from the movie all wearing red and holding hands in the dark outside this beach house where the youngest is wearing a white mask. Um, my description of it isn't doesn't really do it justice. It does look very intimidating. Um, I'm massively excited, mate. I mean, considering he's doing this, but he's also confirmed he's involved in a Candyman remake. And a remake in some form, but they haven't confirmed what it is yet, of The Twilight Zone. Um, Jordan Peele's carving a whole fucking horror niche. And, yeah. And, and it's all his. It's um, it's really awesome. It is really cool. I, out of Key and Peele, do you th- I think Jordan's doing a lot more exciting stuff than Key. Yeah, but ironically, um, there was an article about this a while ago, and I'm, I might be bullshitting, but I'm pretty sure there was something that I read that said that Keegan-Michael Key actually makes more money than jordan peele does interesting well i suppose he's he been does in... more comedic pursuits doesn't he and he really to be fair he was just in predator so he is in like yeah, yeah. no no his his career is not floundering at all it's just that they've they've done two different paths he's sort of gone for that comedic comedy actor thing like he's doing he's doing a, a slight kevin hart of just appearing in lots of films as sort of a key role Hey, that's actually a really funny joke. A hey, mate, they, should, they should get uh, him. Yeah, but also they should get him to host the Oscars. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's Why do they get both of them to host the Oscars? What, balance each other out? No, because you've got one who's a serious horror director and the other one who's a comedian and both of them are comedians. That's genius. 
I should be I should be in charge of the Oscar panel. Um, anyway, um, that's really really cool. Um, I looked at the images of Lupita Nyong'o. Scary stuff. Yeah, man. Very it does look like stuff. Walking Dead, doesn't it? It does look like Walking Dead. Um, um, what are your on, What are your two bits of rumor news? Rumors. Anyway, um, my first bit is that Adam McKay. Um, director of such films like Vice, which is coming out recently. Well, it's but coming out in January, isn't it? Coming out in January. Hopefully we'll see it. Um, I really Early reviews it. are really good. I think it will be fun. This is um, the, for anyone who, who's not up to speed on this, this is the Dick Cheney uh, sort of satirical comedy biopic, mm. which has got um, uh, Christian Bale playing Cheney and Sam Rockwell playing George W. Bush. Yes, and Amy Adams playing the wife, etc. If you want more information on this, listen to episode 23 of the podcast, I believe it is. <laughs> Actually, I have no idea what episode it is, but one <laughs> of them. We've spoken about it. <laughs> um, Vice, Big Short, um, and then his co- older comedy films like Step Brothers, Talladega Nights, Anchorman 1 and 2. Um my only worry, like, anyway, I haven't told the news story yet. Um, he is maybe directing the new Guardians of the Galaxy film. He was speaking on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. Um, and he was talking about um, his Dick Cheney biopic on there. And he's been, and he's revealed that he's been in ongoing discussions with Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios about possible projects for some time. And that the third Guardians of the Galaxy film might be something he'd find difficult to turn down. Now, it's, now this suggests it's not been offered to him. But that and there's no and again rumors. This is not like news, and the fact that he's not been offers and he's not in proper talks. Like he's in sort of like casual chat. But what is for me what is quite positive about it, and what maybe maybe going forward that it, it could be a thing, is that McKay's relationship with Marvel Studios dates back to the original Ant Man, where he wrote the screenplay, um, and it, and he originally was offered the role of director on the film after Edgar Wright left but because he was friends with Edgar Wright um, he didn't want to take away the project from him so he has got relationship and ties with Marvel so it'll be interesting to see if um, he goes ahead with it um, he what he said in the podcast that he'd like to explore in a, in a possible Guardians of the Galaxy 3 film he'd like to explore um, the superhero Nova now Nova um, obviously in Galaxy 1 and Galaxy 2 you see um, the Nova Star Corps who are the sort of so, the police officers and, and soldiers and army um, so, who are in, who are on the planet of Nova? Nova, the superhero, is the head of the police force. Yeah. Um, and there is a fan theory that I looked at very briefly that the kid in Iron Man three, you know, the kid who like fixes the suit. Yeah. Um, it's through mm. time travel magic. He's Nova, and then that's the whole like fan theory. Um, a couple. It's it. It's got a couple of bits of traction behind it. Like I've seen a couple of them that's put through it, but um, not too convinced personally. Um, but yeah, I'd be excited to see an Adam McKay um, superhero film. However, the last film action film that he did properly was Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. <laughs> I know. Oh my god! What and an then awful fucking film. And then suddenly I've I've lost all my faith in Adam McKay's yeah. director. Yeah, stick to making slightly political dark comedies exactly exactly um what was your other rumor before i go on to my final bit of news? oh no you can't do that because oh, other... am i not am i not allowed to break the flow no because i told you i'm going last for a reason okay the flow right. goes in oh, the flow oh, mate i'm sorry the flow I'm sorry. goes in the flow. um my final bit of news then um dc have confirmed that there is a plastic man film in the works one of the most perplexing superheroes to ever exist who has kind of recently in the comic book lore become more involved 
He's actually part of the Justice League currently in terms of the actual comic stretch. Um, he's been part of the hey, Justice League comic before. stretch. Plastic oh! Man. Um, no, he has been, but he's just recently, he's picked up a lot he's more been steam. Back, he's yeah. becoming more of a favourite. Um, Warner Brothers are making this film. Now, this isn't the first time they've tried to make a Plastic Man film, and this is the reason I'm talking about it, because I found this history so interesting. Um, following the success of the original Tim Burton Batman film, the job of making a Plastic Man movie was given to the Wachowski brothers, who at the time were still brothers, but are now both sisters. Indeed, indeed. Um, which is, that's a fascinating thing in itself. It is fascinating. I, I watched they a couple of articles and interviews about it. They changes, was it like seven years apart? Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So it's not it's not something they realised together, which I think I think no. is very interesting. It's it's both very individual to them. But, in, but anyway, when they're in the height of fame after doing the Matrix films, um, this was something they were going to do, and then it kind of died down. Uh, it was then resurrected around 2009 when Jim Carrey was going to be in the role. And that never really came to fruition. And then it ultimately went to Keanu Reeves for a bit. And then that wasn't really very ultimate because then in 2013 there were rumours that David Tennant was going to play him. And then it all died down again. So as of yet, there is no confirmation of who is playing Plastic Man, whether it will be any of the actors I've just named or whether it will be something completely new. I'm massively sceptical. It's a very... Like, Shazam is a fringe character for DC to make a film on. That's coming out next year. Plastic Man, I would say, in general kind of terms of, like, like people knowing superheroes and being fans of superheroes, if you're coming at it from a movie perspective, unless they make this really engaging and really unique, I think it could flop. Yeah, I... I just I think that it, yes it could flop but I also think that Plastic Man as a comic aesthetic and also the fact that Plastic Man has also been around since 1940 or maybe 1941 um it's got a, it's got a rich character history and the character is hilarious if they get the right actor the right team behind it um I'm hearing James Gunn in my head but that's all I can hear um, but like some some kind of comedy director, maybe maybe an Edgar Wright, like who should have who should have been directing that Ant Man. Um, it could be such an amazing thing. I think, I think as soon as you mentioned David Tennant, I was like, that would be great, I, and that would yeah. But I think he's too plain. I think if you're going to do Plastic Man, you have to make it really meta, really really off the wall, um, just very very strange and very unique. Mm. Well, you want to differentiate Plastic Man from Mister Fantastic. Yes. And you want to differentiate him because I because the main thing about Plastic Man in the comics is that unlike Mister Fantastic, who makes himself in, um, into useful things, Plastic Man doesn't retain his human form that often. He's constantly in a state of flux. Not by not not because he can't change back into a human, but he just likes being a helicopter or a toad. Or a pen. It could be very funny. Yeah. I'd almost like to see Michael Bay do it. Just fuck it. Just mm. give him a massive budget and let him turn someone into all sorts of different things over the course of a movie. My favourite ever Plastic Man scene in a comic is in the D comic DC One Million. Um, I believe this is what happens where um, a character is swimming in a pool um, and they're facing off against each other. And the character realises it's not a pool, it's actually Plastic Man, who then solidifies around him and like almost suffocates him to death. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. If you were Plastic Man, what would you do? What would I turn into? Yeah. Ooh, good question. Um, I would probably turn into um, a CD case and then just like try and chomp people. I think that'd be very funny. 
Do you know what I mean? Like one of those CD DVD cases, and then just sort of like just chomp. Yeah, I kind of get you. <laughs> you put me on the spot. There's probably a lot more things, but I think that'd be a very cool thing to just like just just be floating in the air, in the air. No, not even floating. Yeah, just like dragging along oh, the floor. I'm not, mate, I'm not gonna lie. I was hoping for something more imaginative than that. No, but that's the thing with plastic man. It's not imaginative. It's stupid, and that's stupid. I'd turn myself into a frying pan. Oh, so you want imagination, frying pan? <laughs> Mate, imagine being a frying pan. Yeah, but you'd be burning most of the time. No, I'm not saying a frying pan on heat, mate. Also, Damn. plastic man, plastic, <laughs> plastic, a plastic frying pan. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, maybe I haven't thought this through. But I definitely shouldn't direct it. Um, and that is the news. Oh, no, it's not the news. It's my bit of news. Well, no, it is the news, but it's not, it's not the news anymore. It's the rumours. Right, um, last rumour is that, um, if I can find it. Um, yes, here we go. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, um, which is why I'm talking about it last, because it, it connects perfectly with the films we're reviewing. Um, they've a, a sequel has already been agreed um yeah, yeah, yeah. which is very very exciting awesome. and there's also in the in the works there is a spider gwen movie in the in, in planned as well um i don't know when the release date of that that's sort of low-key confirmed but um in an interview with empire film podcast um they um the, the director of the film no wrong phil lord not the director of the film the um writer. producer and screenplay writer um said that there is no reason why Tom Holland and Venom will not be able to appear because and they've been trying to think about ways of fitting them in. Oh, they'll definitely, one. yeah, they, they could very easily make a cameo. Yeah, um, I thought you were going to bring up the fact that there's a, like more importantly, there's a, there's a spin off that everyone wants. No, not a Spider Gwen film and not an Into the Spider Verse sequel. John Mulaney, who voices Spider Ham, Spider Ham, yeah. aka Peter Porker, yes who is like this Looney Tunes-esque Spider-Man character. Um, and John Mulaney is one of the voice, like one of the creators and also primary voice actors on Big Mouth, which is one of the funniest. That's anime. where I know him yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been trying, I was looking through. I he's got find... one of the most, I, I think he's the best voice actor in animated things, period, at the moment. Who's he I, play? I don't think there's anyone better. He plays Andrew, one of the two boys, the older, the bigger boy. Um, and he's just got such a unique voice and it's the kind of voice where everything he says is absolutely like laugh out loud hilarious mm. um, and it doesn't matter what he's saying it's just phenomenal um, he's pushing for a spider ham solo film and of all the spin-offs they could do off the back of this which has been an extremely successful film it's sitting on rotten tomatoes with 97 percent it had the largest december opening of an animated film in history um, beating Sing, which had it previously in 2016. Sing was the previous record. Sing was a hugely popular film, mate. I had no idea. I haven't seen it. You loved it. I loved it. Well, we talked I about really it the other day with it. Taron Edgerton um, and the yeah, Skrilla. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The other day being Still last podcast. <laughs> um, but the, like, with, with all the impressive accolades this film is picking up, I think personally it deserves some kind of proper nod at the Oscars um, because it may not do much for kind of advancing societal culture, but it's getting as good as, if not in some places, better reviews than Black Panther. Mm. And I mean, I'm not trying to play hardball and say Black Panther doesn't deserve an Oscar nomination. It does. But if you're looking at it in a reviewing system structure, technically speaking, that also means that this film kind of deserves a nod as well. Mm. 
um because it's one of the best reviewed films of the year it's kind of landing in prime positions on most uh like movie review and magazine top films of 29 2018 lists um so many i've scrolled through in the last few days it's been in at least the top five so i think it deserves it i don't think it's going to get it but the concluding point to this massive preamble and i will get off my soapbox in a minute will i can see you looking at me <laughs> no i'm just i'm just is... i'm just like jake have you done any research about this spider-man film mate chance? i love it i love it <laughs> i thought this was supposed to be marvel versus dc mate have you got all the aquaman facts ready for me in a bit i've got enough aquaman enough. Facts. Enough. enough he's so cocky i'm enough <laughs> enough um but i just think spider ham is a no-brainer and especially with john mulaney behind it that 100 percent should be the film that they're making or a fucking tv series just do it get like netflix just give john mulaney a six episode run of the adventures of spider ham 20 minute episodes meta as fuck referencing the marvel cinematic universe popular culture like big mouth does making jokes about netflix like big mouth does in a really self-aware way just fucking do that mm. give him a spider ham tv series that is what i am imploring you to do Soapbox over, and and now we go into our review of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Well, anyway, I think as, <laughs> as people can probably take from that, we fucking love this film. It's wonderful. Um, this is, is, is visually, it is a feast, um, and you'll probably hear that a lot, because Aquaman, to be fair, is also a visual feast. But There's a lot very, of visual feasts going on, there is yeah. A, there is a lot of feasting. It's a visual buffet, this episode. Oh. <laughs> um... <laughs> But this film is great. This film is really, really good. It's bolstered by a really sharp script by one half of the Lego movie, Lego Batman team, um, alongside his kind of one of his partners in crime who helped him on um, 21 and 22 Jump Street. Um, This is Phil Lord and Rodney Rotham we're talking about. Um, It's got an incredible cast. Shamik Moore is playing Miles Morales, the Black Spider-Man, who is... He's been in Dope and The Get Down, which are two of my favourite... Well, Dope's one of my favourite films of the last few years, and The Get Down was an incredible TV series that Netflix cancelled before really giving it the chance to run. Um, You've got Jake Johnson from New Girl and Tag playing a version of Peter Parker. You've got Hayley Steinfeld, who is the lead in the new Bumblebee film, playing Gwen Stacy. You've got Mahershala Ali, who we just fucking adore. Everything from Moonlight to Luke Cage. Oh, beautiful um, He's going to be in True Detective Season 3. He plays uh, Uncle Aaron, who is Miles' uncle in the film, who is one of the more kind of formative characters in Miles' life. You've also got Brian Tyree Henry, who is from Atlanta, who we banged on about being an incredible actor stuck in a really dull role when he was in Widows a few weeks ago. Um, and John Mulaney, as we've discussed, who is from Big Mouth and SNL. This cast has some of my favourite actors of the here and now. Mm. They are brilliant. And it's a chance for some of them to really show their voice acting skill. Because I looked at the cast for this a while ago before it came out and thought, will it translate? And they've gone for people who don't necessarily have, some of them don't have what I would say are hugely distinctive voices, Mm. but they really make the characters their own. Yeah. And you've also got like, not cameos per se, but like bit parts, like the um, the noir Spider-Man who is Nicolas Cage and like the Peter Parker, the, the, the Miles Morales world Peter Parker, who is Chris Pine. 
who shows up to do it and pe- and like people like that and just like they every single voice actor who is doing work in this obviously is having such a good time with the material and just allows them to play with it it's great to hear it's really really great i love this film so Mate, much it, it, it just it, it has a lot of heart it has a hell of a lot of heart it has some unbelievable twists like we won't go too deep into it because if people haven't seen it there are some really this is a Spider-Man film where I was sitting there thinking, fuck, this is beautiful. And it really it really plays into the story the way they've designed it in this kind of like pop-arty, kaleidoscopic, colourful, comic booky kind of way. The way they've drawn this film. And there were moments in this movie, truth be told, where I thought the story was so good. This origin story of this version of Spider-Man is so fantastic and it's so great that it's getting screen time that there was a little part of me that kind of hoped that maybe it could have been reserved for a really incredible live-action cast and this could have been a Spider-Man live-action film rather than an animated movie that could have broken boundaries in terms of what Spider-Man can do story-wise. Yeah. Um, But nonetheless, I do think that upon reflection it does fit more in the way they do it in an animated setting. Um, but it just, like, it is beautiful. And some of the twists really do get you. Like, much... I, I, we both really enjoyed Spider-Man Homecoming, right? Or you weren't as much of a fan? Oh, well, we haven't discussed this. Were you not a fan? I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is well, shocking. Anyway, which is so shocking. It's so bad. It's so, it's so bad. I, my problem was is that, like... For, for about my sec first end of first year to the end of second year at university, the only superhero film that I watched until I started the podcast um, was um, Logan with you. Yeah. That was it. Um, I just I just hadn't. <laughs> we had a we had a cry. We held we hands in the cinema. And yeah, I, and I hadn't watched any of them since. And I don't want to. And now so many have passed. Like oh, those two years of university, so many superhero films happened. It was the start of all the phase three stuff with Marvel. So new superheroes getting introduced left, right, and center. And it was the culmination of the, the Justice League, um, DC stuff. And I just found it all a bit overwhelming. And I was like, I want I want a bit of remo- removal from this because I was getting a bit too uh, uptight with it. Um, so I am going to planning to go and watch them. But talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. Well, Sorry. The, point, the point I was trying to make was that Spider-Man film that just came out, and obviously we've got the sequel coming out next year, it was great. And I love what Tom Holland does, and I think it's a really, really good reinvention mm. of Spider-Man post-Garfield. But... I say Garfield. I don't Post say Garfield. Andrew, you think, when the fuck was Garfield the cat? Spider-Man? My mind just took a bit of time to catch up with that. <laughs> um, no, it was really. <gasps> good. There's but a it, Garfield it, Spider-Man like Peter but Parker. It, but it, but it wasn't shocking and it wasn't surprising. And this film is funny, shocking, surprising, heartfelt, um, stunning in terms of the way it's the way it's displayed, um, and bolstered by a really fantastic soundtrack. And what I like, so, sorry, go on. It, can, it contains all of those elements that I, I just think a lot of superhero films miss at yeah. the moment. And what I like about this film when you when I researched it and etc. is how much work has individually gone into um, like the characters' performances, the animation, the score, or the, the marketing. Like, do you know that there's you know the Christmas album that Spider Man does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's out. Yeah. It's it's out and there's people there's actual voice actors who are recorded this Christmas album and it's like a joke like one minute scene of like I I did all these things and I even have a Christmas album and like it's a little like sort of a little nod and a laugh to the um, audience but like the the animation it started off with like 
it's 10 minutes of footage took the first year of filming until they were happy with it and then they just built from there and then they were only doing it with a small team of animators and then it moved up to 60 and in the end it was 142 separate animators working on this film the most sony has ever had of any of its animated projects may it reminds me of uh, loving vincent Literally, I was thinking that earlier. That's I th- the only other film I can think of where it required so many artists to build. But I think this film for me, like I, you know, I had problems with Love and Vincent more than more than I think you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, f- the film was quite deeply flawed storyline. It's a massively flawed film, but it is it is just it's, it's beautiful. one of its kind. But I also think that this film is so is is so cool compared to like Loving Vincent was lovely, but it was sort of quaint and it was beautiful yet detached. Whereas this film, the the, <coughs> the beautifulness. That's not a word, but the beauty of the animation is also like completely wrapped up in the anim- in the uh, action sequences. It's not just a sort of beautiful tableau. It's like you feel like these things are happening to you, and it's an animation. You don't. It's not like um like in uh, in films where you feel a punch and, and you feel a hit, like in um the Mission Impossible film, like where you hear Henry Cavill hits hit someone with a briefcase with his shotgun with his, arms. Exactly. Oh. Um, you feel that, and an am- animation sometimes is a bit of a an a- a- attachment because you don't actually physically feel that detachment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, yeah, it doesn't have the same punch. Exactly, I, I get you. And this film does have the same punch because it's so frenetic. Yeah. yeah, I know. I agree. I'd say that this it does have a real kind of weight to it, especially in the action scenes. The only thing I would say, one of the only real criticisms I did have was there were so many moments. I don't know if it was my cinema, maybe it was, but. There were so many moments where I just couldn't hear the dialogue, like not, like well enough. It didn't sound like they were projecting it enough over like whatever was going on sound-wise in the background, um, and that was kind of annoying. Well, they they cramp they turn the music up in this to like silly. They silly do. Levels. They really crank it up. But I mean, who who wouldn't crank it up when you have a soundtrack that includes Post Malone, Jaden Smith, Nicki Minaj, uh, Lil Wayne. XXX Tentacion before he died, like Vince Staples, like they've 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 gathered such an incredible group of hip hop and rap artists that are so current, and they've really kind of they've made this feel like a genuine project. Mm. Like they've done Miles Morales as a character so much justice. They haven't made him a legacy figure. Like oh, let's make the Black Spider Man into a film. Do you know what I mean? It's yep. 2018. We better do it now. Like they they've they've put so much. Um, humility and kind of nuance behind it that it really does feel like you are him and he doesn't feel like a rote character that's just being done because we're at a certain stage in society now it feels like a genuine um, fully realised reimagination mm. of a character which which is exactly what it is in the comics and that's why Miles Morales as the Spider-Man was introduced in 2011 and he is still one of the most popular comics one of the most subscribed every time there's a new series mm. i think he's i think the miles morales as a character is really interesting he's got a really interesting in-depth relationship with his father um and interesting um interesting yet strange with his father and he really looks up to his uncle as a figure um there are just every single bit bit thing that miles morales has to do um in the in the book in the in the in the film is just incredible because he does the, he does these he goes from being very very funny and comedic and then has all these silly sequences where he does like stupid falling over things to real heartfelt moments 
where like he will just he'll be crying and you really feel gutturally yeah. impacted. Like, they don't they don't fuck about. They as don't well. fuck like, about. Some, some of the twists in this film, you, you really do sit there and think, look, I know it's an animated film and I know it's like a whole multiverse kind of thing, so there will be some way of kind of righting the wrongs by the end. But there are some things in the film that stick, some some notable character deaths that stick and aren't kind of like solved in some skew with sci-fi way by the end of the movie they are you know it's not an infinity war situation these characters are dead mm. and miles and the other characters kind of have to pick up the pieces um and it's very personal and it's very hard hitting and i, I don't want to i don't want to talk about it anymore because we've kind of talked in generalizations which i think is really good for this film because if you haven't seen it so yeah. you want to go into it kind of thinking it's going to be a fairly mellow easy to watch animated film and then actually realize oh this actually it has stakes it's crazy um do you have any particular favorite moments i mean i know we normally do this after the critic quote awards but there are so many for me like best oh i'm saying i have like, i have loads mate some of the best moments for me if i'm just reading them off and i think this really speaks to um like the screenwriting from phil lord it's that classic lego movie style humor there's a bit in the beginning of the film where they make a joke about the awkward Tobey Maguire Spider-Man free dance yep. down the street. And they do it in this film. And I fucking love that because I know this is a Sony picture in association with Marvel. But the fact that they had the kind of like the gumption to do something like that. I, I knew you were going to say the word gumption. I, I just knew it. I was so weird in my head. I was like, Jay's going to say gumption. That's mental. Sorry. That's strange because I was going to say balls. <laughs> and then I thought, no, I'm going to spice it up. Get the get the old uh, brain thesaurus out. Nice. Um, I thought that was great. I thought the bit where he gets bitten by the spider, and it it goes like really dark for a second. It's like the, the venom is coursing through his veins, and it's really like the music is like, dun, 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 dun. and then it cuts back out to him, and he just like flicks the spider off his hand, like it's yep. nothing. Like just little things like that. I thought they were so funny, man. I have two moments that stick out to me. Anything that um, noir Spider-Man does, I, I died with laughter in the cinema. I just think Nicolas Cage's voice for it, I think the long monologues about like b- being gritty and like, I'm, I'm a lonely man, a lonely place, <laughs> that, that kind of stuff <laughs> so good. Um, is just great. And he's, and he's so funny. And then on a more touching and poignant note, um, the Stanley cameo was written to a T, perfectly yeah. i know it was written before stanley's um, unfortunate demise but demise is a really weird, weird unfortunate thing. device i mean he was pushing 90 something mate no but it's unfortunate for me rather than unfortunate demise for him <laughs> i'm not saying that like he had, he had an industrial unfortunate for you. i think it's more unfortunate for him if we're gonna debate the <laughs> well no is it like uh, if we're going yes, emotional well well he died yes this situation is more unfortunate for him no but i don't think it is <laughs> I think it's more emotional to the people that he's left behind because that's the thing with death. All right, okay, but you, because you, you don't uh, feel dying. No, but, no, but who would you say Stanley's Stanley passing away? Who would you say if you had to choose that affected more, Stanley himself or you? Oh, affected more. <laughs> they probably I mean? affect Stanley more, but emotionally affects. It doesn't emotionally affect him. He's in the he's in the ground. <laughs> well, all right, we're <laughs> moving on. We are moving on. Oh, it's Any true. Other- Right, any other favourite moments? One of my other favourite moments was just a classic John Mulaney moment where Peter Porker says something like, he he says, that's all, folks. And then one of the other characters is like, are we allowed to say that legally? (laughs) Yeah. Just great little things like that. Really, really good moments. What else? I'm not going to reveal it because we've done a really good job of being spoiler-free, but there is a moment where there is a twist about a third of the way, no, wrong, about two-thirds of the way through the film. 
and um, it's 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 a quite suspenseful moment. And the music that they play after the twist happens is this really low thumping bass, and it just gets my heart pumping. Yeah. It's terrible. It was it was amazing. Use yeah, music. great great chase scenes in this film. As well. Oh yeah, really good chase um, scenes. Anyway, let's go on to critic quote awards, yep. and then we'll start talking about Aquaman. Um, what did you have for best description of Spider Man into the Spider Verse? Uh, my best description is from Toby Wolstein from the New Zealand Herald. Um, he has said, an unconventional, vib- vibrantly fresh and last minute loving ode to the comics. It's really something special. Okay. Which yeah. I think is just completely apt. Yeah, nail on sense. the head. My best description of this film is from Mark Kennedy of the Associated Press. And he said, it's a film that's fantastically fresh, both visually and narratively, trippy and postmodern at the same time, and packed with intriguing storytelling tools, humour, empathy and action while also true to its roots. Fair. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, my most savage... And I, 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 I find it hard that people were savage about this film. Well, no, this is... Yeah, I, this this savage one especially I have a real issue with. Um, most savage is Brian Viner from the Daily Mail UK. A monumentally long Marvel animation, which is at least 30% less witty than everyone seen, involved seems to think it is. Now, that pisses me off. And I'll explain why. Because, like... This film does not have an air of pretension around it. No, it which doesn't. so many superheroes trying to be arty does. Even the Dark Knight in films like that have an air yeah, they of are. like they're pretentious. Yeah, they are like pretentious. they have a, they have an air of like we're trying to be a better superhero film than the run of the muck superhero films. And this is a better superhero film than a run. But, it, but it's not shouted about the fact that it's a better. No, superhero it's it's film. just it's just an enjoyable film that's got really really cool good script behind yeah, it. Yeah, when when you see the trailers for this film or when I saw the trailers for this film, I kind of got the perspective that this was a real fun project to work on, but it seemed like a very much like here we are, we've made this cool thing out of the blue. Watch it, we hope you we hope you enjoy it. Mm. That's kind of how I would imagine the producers of this film. I I don't think this was a film that they were hoping would crush it, you know, and I think it's it's done a hell of a lot better than they were expecting it to. Mm. I think because this is like largely based on a a big comic book event called Spider-Verse, which went on for a couple of years. I think that they kind of imagined it being more niche than it is. Yeah. Um, even with the clout that it's got with the actors and the writers. I love the word clout. Yeah, clout. clout. It's, it's, a just, U- it's, it's a YouTube term, It's man. the guttural... Logan Paul has clout. Yeah. It's clout the, gang. Cl- it's the cl- behind it. It's guttural. It feels like you're... Cl- yeah. Cl- anyway, go on. It's a weird, <laughs> weird way to talk about kind of like, Oh, this is boring. <laughs> well, we'll, 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 we're never, we're never going to have clout, mate. Don't worry. Um, most savage review for me came from Nigel Andrews of the Financial Times. He said, Never did hyperkinesis seem so much like a standstill. So much rush. So little panache. Oh, Financial Times are reviewing films. So little panache. Wh- why are the Financial Times reviewing films? I, they, they're allowed to, 100%. Like, it's a magazine. They're allowed to review films. But w- why... Like their whole their whole niche is that they report on the finances of the public and of big banks and etc. And like are a are a more like a, a banker's economist kind of thing or person in the city's economist. Why are they reporting on Spider Man into the Spider Verse? Why are they wasting their time with what with like with that? Why don't they just report about Brexit? Don't give me a rubbish give me a, don't give me a rubbish review from the Financial Times, we don't need to review that. Review Brexit. Review the things that are changing our lives in this country at this moment. Soapbox over. Um, <laughs> that, that, anno- that review has annoyed me more than mine. That is, hell, that, is, that, that is bollocks. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we hit a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Um, what would you rate 
Spider-Man Into Spider-Verse out of 10? Now, I've been thinking about this a week because I don't know where it ranks in my head out of the best films that we've seen. Um, it is up there. It is up with like the Star is Borns of the world. I think I'm going to give it an 8. No, I'm going to give it a 9. A nine. I'm, I was going to say eight point five, but actually no. I enjoyed it so much, and it had it had so many poignant moments, and it's comic related. It could be near a ten for me, but like it's a nine because it's not because there are some flaws in it. There yeah. are some there are some clunking scenes, let's say, or some bits of the bits that I'm a bit like I'm not too interested about the Miles's hand sticking to Gwen Stacy's hair. Like that's I'm not too interested about that. Yeah, but that was a an, weird scene. But it's yeah, nine. Yeah. It's a nine. Um, <sighs> unbelievably the bigger spider-man geek in the room is going to rate it lower i'm going to give this an 8.5 and now the reason i'm going to give it an 8.5 and i stewed over this a lot in the last few days i came out of the film and thought instant classic 9.5 i carried on thinking about it and i thought that while this is a great film there are there are better movies that we've watched which have kind of brought me more emotions um and one of those films for me is spider-man 2 because i was thinking i can't give this a 9 out of 10 if i I can't give this a 9 out of 10 or higher unless i truly believe in my heart of hearts that this is the best spider-man film there has ever been and i just don't think it is see i still can't i know spider-man 2 is a film that came out years and years ago and I know it's not really in the current kind of, you know, we're not reviewing that right now, but... We can I, if you I, want. I would, I'd be happy to. <laughs> you, know, you know I love that film. You know I love that film. But like, I, I would give that a 9 out of 10 or higher. I don't think I could give this film a 9 out of 10 or higher. I think it's really good, but there's still this bit of me that's pulling me back from giving it that higher rating, which is saying, this film was so good, the story was so great, the humour was so on point, but um, just imagine the possibilities if it was like a live-action movie imagine the possibilities if it wasn't this stylized and for me it got in the way a bit sometimes and it was beautiful there were moments where i was like fuck you can't do this with actors but there was a flip side for me of thinking that the kind of comic book kind of styling of it got in the way for me at times Mm, and you wanted it to be you wanted to see the human emotions of all your favorite actors i feel like the the script was so good and the the emotion was so real that but it, but it just it never quite is when it's this kind of animation. I I even think it, this has got a bit of a two D ish nature to it. Hmm. If this film was done with the kind of graphic animation of say Inside Out or something like that, that more three D esque kind of Pixar style stuff, maybe I would actually be feeling more from it. Well, I on that note because I have I have a note about this is that they filmed. In, hang on, I'm going to find the exact words. It's an anamorphic format. The film directors all felt the film would be one of the few that the audiences actually need to watch in 3D due to the immersive nature of the animated world created. Now, I didn't know that going in. No, me neither. And I and and so are we meant to have watched this in 3D? Yep. Oh, peak! I hate 3D films. I no, so to, do I. But, but we're going to have to go and rewatch it. Well. But interestingly, there is a there is moments in the film where it looks all intents and purposes like it's a bit green and it's yeah like it's, it, it looks like it looks, looks a bit fuzzy. off sometimes. Looks, sometimes looks a bit yeah. fuzzy and that's what holds it back for me mm. that's what holds it back for me and also while we're on while i mentioned spider-man 2 no, I, i'm still yet to see a scene in 
any superhero film that has ever been made that is as powerful as the train scene in Spider-Man 2 where he's, he pulls it to a stop and Will's heard me talk about this like four times. I always start crying. Uh, he, he, you know, like he's gut-wrenching. He's, he's using all of his webs and he's trying to stop this subway train from crashing and he kind of uses all of his might and his, his mask comes off and he's ripped to shreds and he just about does it, but he passes out and the the passengers in the train sort of catch him before he falls and they carry him through the carriage and they lay him down and Spider-Man wakes up and he sort of realises that he hasn't got his mask on. He's like looking up and he's all freaked out because he thinks, fuck, all these people are looking at me and they can see who I am. They can see my true identity. And a little boy hands him the mask. And this old man says something like, don't worry, we won't tell anyone. And it's one of, just for me growing up with Spider-Man being my favourite superhero, it's one of the most powerful things. Mm. I just think it's amazing. And it's that concept that Spider-Man goes beyond superheroes for me. He is like the people's champion. And in many ways... He's that superhero that we can all aspire to be, especially as children. And this film, Into the Spider-Verse, continues to embody that concept of that that part of you that makes you different, makes you great, mm. makes you Spider-Man, you know? Yeah. I love it. Well, I, I, love I, lo- it. I love the whole, I love all the symbolism behind Spider-Man. I think it's, inc- I think it's wonderful. Well, I, lo- I love the message anyway, in this film. There's heartfelt a f- Jake. No, no, it was amazing. Over. No, it was amazing. Um, thank you for sharing um, Jake, Jake cries talking about <laughs> Spider-Man 2 <laughs> no but um, I think I like that's what I like about this film as well is that it's got a through line of anyone can be Spider-Man it's your actions that you're and it's your actions and your emotional vigour that makes you um, like a, a person that could ever be Spider-Man and it continues throughout the whole film about like we, we're just a we're just a, a person holding this mantle in different realities when like we're not the definitive Spider-Man anyone can be Spider-Man but you just have to believe and what was the what was the line you just have to take the jump yeah take the leap of faith take the leap of faith I, oh, beautiful um yeah so that's spider-man so that's spider-man and now let's talk about aquaman oh my um God. we've said tonal mess quite a lot in this podcast i feel like we need a new way to describe films that you know the venoms the venoms <laughs> of, of the, the venoms of the world there needs to be a better way to describe them um fuzzy genre melt Fuzzy genre melt. That's work. what I put. How uh, about just and this is this is bold. I think Aquaman or <laughs> clusterfuck. <laughs> yes, clusterfuck would work. Aquaman um, by James Wan. I think I'm saying that right. Is a one <laughs> or Aquaman? One or one. What do you want? What do you want from me? Um, is a clusterfuck of a film. Now that is not saying that me and Will didn't have a bloody good time watching Aquaman. Yeah, it's incredibly perplexing but it is stunning like it's massively over cgi'd but it does cgi in what i would argue is a relatively good way um it takes you on a journey across loads of destinations you meet loads of inventive and creative different creatures i mean while marvel still holds the torch in superhero films let's face it like the generic villain like copy and paste villains that they have in like the avengers films are not present in Aquaman. These are really interesting enemies. They're like sharks with lasers being ridden by alien men with white armor suits. And there's the, the monsters of the brine, which are like giant crustaceans with swords. And you've got all these inventive things in this movie. But then it it also tries to be a hapless rom-com yep. of like something reminiscent of like the early Matthew McConaughey days. Yeah. 
a travel film. Yes, it tries to be. It tries to be the Uncharted games. Yeah, literally. One point. I, I, and it, also, it literally tries to be Sahara. Yep. It tries to be like a Telltale game at one point because you're like, you're like people, like children are handing books to Aquaman and Mira as they walk along, and like, and they're smelling the roses and they're eating the roses. They literally eat roses. Um, it's just mad. The whole film is crackers, absolutely crackers. Also, it also tries to be like a, a coming of age film that never quite commits to that narrative. And then the first scene is all about <coughs> um, never, never, never ending love. Um, a and it between, feels uh, between like a Disney Akron's film. Parents. Yeah. Oh god, it is bizarre. This film outvenoms Venom. Correct. And the reason it outvenoms Venom is because Venom, and I've said that five times now, <laughs> was afraid to commit to its wackiness. And the biggest feedback I could give on the Venom film that we both did was if they're going to make a sequel, which they will because it was a commercial success, make it as weird as possible we want more of this tom hardy jim carrey impression yeah we want more of that strange shit we do not need another prestige superhero film we've got enough of them coming up in the next couple of years you know we've got captain marvel we've got avengers endgame we've got you know a whole whole host of border superhero films that mean something Why, why why can't we just have superhero flicks yes I want, in general, this is what this film reminded me of. It reminded me of those action-adventure films from like the early 2000s mm. that didn't take themselves too seriously, had sexualized characters, both male and female, and they weren't afraid to do that. This has got attractive actresses and hunky men that have the tops off the whole time. It's not afraid, it's not being anti-PC, but it's not afraid to just be as tacky as it wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um... It, yeah, like you said, it jet sets around a different load, load of different locations with no real rhyme or reason, and the most tenuous reasons to go to each place. Um, they just they just want to go to different places so they have different scenery and different ways to use CGI. But it does it takes a lot of cre- like what I would say nowadays is creative risks. Like the weirder and kind of awkward a superhero film is nowadays, tends to be like bad points in a lot of people's mm. books. Because we've grown so accustomed with all of these like high quality superhero films, you know the Nolan Batman films, the Avengers films. We, we've grown so used to such powerful and um, well acted superhero yep. movies, and also b- because of Robert Downey Jr. reinventing Marvel with with Iron Man, the comedy in Marvel films, although it's quite poignant, um, Guardians is a bit of an exception to the rule. It's quite crisp humor. It's sort of punchy and it's 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 clever and it's um it's it, it not like this film where like the humor is blunt, it's gaudy, it's stupid, it doesn't really make any sense yeah, most really of the time. But like I'm sense. laughing, I laughed a lot. Of the, like some of the, although I did laugh. This was the some of the problem with this film is that I did laugh in when there was trying to be sincere moments. Yeah, yeah, completely. That is the only problem with it is when it's trying to be sincere, it's not incapable of it. Like if you had a film that was mostly sincere, the sincere moments that there are in Aquaman would actually carry quite a lot of weight. Mm. For example, the scene where Black Manta Mantis or whatever, he, one of the villains in the film, his father dies kind of because of Aquaman's actions and not having any mercy in the moment. And it's quite a like it's quite a good scene where he's like trying to save his father who's drowning and he can't and he he's so angry that he's screaming because he knows he can't get his father out of this situation and he, he there's nothing he can do 
he's completely powerless and his father's right there with him and the water's rising in this submarine like all of that stuff i thought was really really powerful really well really well done um but it means fuck all when five minutes later you see an octopus playing the drums. <gasps> I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> it's ridiculous. No, it's it not. Was like something it's an of- Easter egg because James Wan's a bloody genius. Okay, all right, go on. There then. is a character. Go on, explain to me why this is like. His name has is. Any logic to it? His name is Topo. He he appeared. <laughs> Will you're, you're like it's like you've won a bingo game. <laughs> his name is Topo. Topo fe- first appeared in the Aquaman Aquaman comic books in Aquaman's Undersea Partner in Adventure Comics two two nine. Um, in Adventure Comics two two nine. Bear, bear in mind this was before Aquaman was a comic, which meant that this is in the nineteen. 19- no, no, wrong. Silver Comics Silver Age. So it would be nineteen sixties. This octopus has come in. Since then he's gone through various in- inventions. He's been a. a buxom silly friend which is what he mostly appears in he saves the day by just squashing people sometimes um like he's just a stupid character that no one actually in the comic really likes because they're like oh fuck's sake it's topo again i have everything solved so, by so, topo so he's like he's like the jar jar binks of the aquaman he is world. the jar jar binks of the aquaman world um but then in the new 52 reinvention he's now a monster he's this like gruesome monster that aquaman has to fight and then james wan's like you know what? I wanted to. I wanted Aquaman at some point to meet Topo as like and just in the thing and like have them have a silly interaction or like hit them like maybe build up to a next film with like Aquaman and Topo. And he was like, in the end, he was in the end. He looked back on it and thought, no, I'll just have them playing the drums. And I love that because it's an Easter egg for the old fans. Right, I'll, I'll just right. play the I'll drums. Take, I'll take that. I'll take that. But no, but uh, but are, I agree with your point. Other bits like explain to me. Um, the bit where they're in the strange Italian town and Will's already touched on this. It's a bit where like Aquaman takes uh, whatever she's called, his female psychic from Atlantis, Mira takes Mira to this town and they like look at a fountain and she gives, he gives her a coin to give to a little girl to make a wish in the fountain. And like, she sees some people eating some land food, which she's obviously not accustomed to. So she buys some roses and eats the roses. And instead of telling her that that's not what you do, he kind of just eats them as well because he's, uh, he's a one dimensional character. (laughs) That's what he is. Um, There's also a scene like shortly after that, where the town kind of gets destroyed when they're kind of chased by some of the Atlantean army and all the people are kind of scattering in this kind of town center. And there's this little girl that's like lying on the floor right underneath where the bell from the clock tower, this giant golden bell is like plummeting from the sky right towards this little girl. And she's obviously helpless. And it's like doing that dun, 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 and it's like cutting between the bell getting lower and the little girl looking up scared. And then Aquaman comes out of nowhere with the fucking shoulder slam, like like something out of fucking WWE and just smacks the bell out of the way just before it hits the girl. But he smacks it into a wall where there are like four other people. And so it was a real trolley problem situation, but a reverse trolley problem. Like, save one life, but kill four. I know. Like, there was no logic to it. Well, the, my my main thing is that... Can, can I spoil Aquaman? Yes, you can fucking spoil Aquaman. I don't want to spoil Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse because I've rated it a nine. But I'm going to spoil Aquaman because it's just silly stupid. Um, Nicole Kidman apparently is executed... Nicole Kidman is actually alive. It's the it's a very Janet Janet Van Dyke um, is that storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, storyline of her. Jan- Janet Van Dyne, Dyke. not Dyke. That's exactly. <laughs> what I was like, is that right? 
Thank God. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry to everyone I've just offended. I, I did not mean that. Anyway. Yeah, to, um, to, to all the dykes that listen to the 52 Week Film Project, if anyone will refer to themselves as that, well. I well, you know, <laughs> positive, people reclaim what the word to be fair. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, she's alive. And she is introduced to us as being alive in a prehistoric world jurassic world jurassic world where there's suddenly there's suddenly dinosaurs in the center of the earth underneath the water in a th- it doesn't really make sense but they get to the destination and nicole kidman is dressed up like a pterodactyl in this pterodactyl suit which she has to remove the head of a pterodactyl which she uses as a helmet and for the rest of the film she is in her pterodactyl clothes apart from the last scene where she suddenly ch- changes into, into like a dress like into a, a dress gown. into like a gladriel style dress from lord of the rings <laughs> because she is like and then the, the lighting is like just like all like shining like the sun on nicole kidman at the end of the film it's such a silly film mate while we're on the silliness here's a big problem that i had um Two of the main Atlantean characters are Orm, Aquaman's half-brother, who's trying to become Ocean Master in the film, um, and Dolph Lundgren, uh, who plays King Nereus, who's like someone who he's trying to like get onto his side. Now, I don't understand water physics in the real world, but one thing's for certain, water does not work the way water works in real life in Aquaman. No. Case in point being, Dolph Lundgren's long hair moves very unconvincingly in the wrong direction to how it should, but it moves nonetheless as he moves in the water. It kind of, you know, the water's going to be moving his hair around. King Orm, played by Patrick Wilson, also has hair which isn't short, and it's slicked back for the whole film. For the whole film, his hair is slicked back by some sort of super. Super gel. Insoluble super gel. Yeah. Which means that his hair never moves, but you can see that it curls at the back of his head. So he definitely has long hair. That is clarified. And the only time his hair changes is this brief moment where he's kind of out of the water. And all of a sudden... Oh, yeah, when he takes the helmet off. All all of a sudden, it becomes really bedraggled. But then, 20 seconds later, he's back in the water. And the super secret insoluble gel has reattached itself. Yeah, and there's also the situation where some characters will immediately, after coming out from the water to the surface, some characters, as soon as they touch the air, will die because they can't breathe human air. And some characters, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also... Like the end scene, all of them are above air and all doing fine. Like like all, every, the whole of the army, everyone should be dead. <laughs> everyone should have come up to the water, tried to see Arthur be the new king, clapped him off, and then <laughs> <The> died. <time>. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how the film produced it. The, the, um, what else was it? Silly. I love I love the bit early on in the film where um, King Orm sends the massive wave to like fuck up, like to, as like a warning signal to the like land people. Um, and Jason Momoa is driving his dad home to the lighthouse after they've both had a copious amount of drinks, but suddenly Aquaman is fine. Yeah. Um, and his dad's asleep in the passenger seat. But I don't know about you, but when that whole bit happened, it was quite like it looked really intense, like this giant wave that they get caught up in. But the sound effects were really off. Like, it didn't sound very loud. It didn't sound very ferocious. And I kind of just sat there thinking, has someone in editing not done their job? Mm. There were just bits like that where I felt like things didn't have the impact they should have. But then other moments that weren't very intense 
that had like really booming like I didn't understand the score. It's one of the worst scores that I've oh, ever come across mate, in a film. You, you know what it reminded me of? There are so many moments in this film that feel like a Jack Daniels advert. Yeah. Or, or like, I'm trying to think of something else, like a Levi's advert. Like there are so many moments where Jason Momoa is walking along, obviously with his top off, and you've got that like meaty bass riff where it's like... Dong, dick, <laughs> and then the electric comes in like that kind of crap and it's very like, good it's so thank you thank it's you. so manly um and so like yeah drink jack daniel's tennessee whiskey the number one whiskey in the usa are you even american if you don't drink this jason momoa drinks it he drinks it like a fucking fish he's aquaman <laughs> Uh, my f- also weird favourite thing about the film related to this is that Jason Momoa tries his best to, to, to be Carl Drogo at certain points in the yes, film. Yes, he does. Like at the beginning of the film, he throws a spear at someone and he throws a spear and goes, and like a proper Carl Drogo like chant when he was going to slice someone's head off. And at the like end of the film, he's in this boat and he wakes up after being injured and he looks down and he's in, he's got like a, a bandages, but like black bandages up to his chest. And do you remember the whole thing, like when Carl Drogo was cast about Carl Drogo's massive chest, like his man boob muscle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, when, when it was just up there. Yeah. And he was wearing exactly, and he, and he just like silently just goes, oh, just takes it off and then walks to the other side of the ship. Yeah. And it was like, is that an Easter egg? Is that him like joking about like his Carl Drogo thing? Or is think, it just. I don't think they're that enlightened. Or is it just, or is it just credit. stupid? Um, no, I I find the whole thing crazy. There's think... also there's also a bit where he's drinking in a pub, and this rough load of blokes like come over, bit. and you think, oh, here we go, they're gonna you know rough him up in a stereotypical way, like we heard your echo, man, we don't like you in our town, um, and they sidle up to him, and then they kind of like stare each other down for a bit, and then this massive burly guy is like, oh, can we take a selfie? But he doesn't even have like a regular fucking phone; he has like a pink iPhone. Yeah, um, I thought that was. An, I didn't like then, that touch. No, that was strange. Yeah, and, I liked and, the scene. I hated the fact that. But, the then, it, but then it cuts to this really quick montage of like fifteen snapshot selfie photos of of Aquaman drinking with these blokes, and it was just the most like. Uh, but it cuts straight back immediately after that scene. It cuts to like a really intense King Orm scene. It's like <laughs> killing someone. It's like, <laughs> how is this happening? What did you call it at the beginning of the podcast? <clears throat> the, the... Uh, uh, clusterfuck. Yeah. Or a fuzzy. I got to remember fuzzy. 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 Fuzzle. Fuzzy. Fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Um, Should we go on to critics' quotes? Because I feel like what we're doing now is essentially just <laughs> going yeah. up through our, ba- the only, our craziest, the, stupidest I, moments. I'll, I'll make two more quick points yep. that I wanted to make in, on like the, the downside of this film. First downside: this is an unbelievably long film. It's so, this I is fell asleep. This is 143 minutes. minutes. Um, they could do with 45 minutes less in this film. There are there are so many scenes that are just exposition dead weight that you could chop. I don't need to it's meet the Fisher rubbish. King. I don't need to meet the Fisher King. It was a stupid ten minute why scene. Why do they need that? Yeah. Why do they need why? <coughs> I know I understand the law of them the need to like overcoming the five kingdoms. They could do a scene where like we've managed to we've persuaded that and they that the other we persuaded those people that we should join their cause and and the, the last person paid for when he didn't reply to me. That kind of thing. Yeah, there, there, is Easy. Not, there is nothing streamlined about this film. It is very long-winded. And I think that's something that got in the way for me. I think I let go a lot of this film's sins while I was watching it because I thought it was so fun. 
Um, and to be honest, it probably is the most fun, other than Wonder Woman, it's the most fun I've had with a DC film recently. Um, but towards the end, I was starting to get exhausted and I was thinking, like, I, I definitely think that if this film was shorter, um, people would be even more praising of it. Mm. Um, the only other thing I'll say is that people made such a big thing about how, like, to be fair to him, like, Jason Momoa has taken a character who people have largely chided for a very long time and he's made it relatively interesting. Now, he has made it visually, like, eye-popping. He's a very interesting and he's a, he's a, he's a fascinating guy to look at. Uh, very, very distinctive. And he does bring that to the role. But while he looks cool, the character isn't. The character is so one-dimensional. And I kind of let that go in the Justice League film that came out last year because I thought, like, oh, you know, like, Aquaman hasn't had his film yet. He probably hasn't had time to kind of really work, work out himself as a character. But I do, I had, did just come to the conclusion in this film that Jason Momoa is not a good actor. Um, he lacks chemistry with everyone he has on screen with him. And he's really bad at showing the character's true motivations. I would, I agree that he's not the best in this film, but I don't think he's a terrible actor. I think the thing is with him is that the dialogue that he had give, got, got given to work with was just terrible. And I, if I'm honest, in the Justice League film, I think he was one of my favourite parts of it. Minus Ezra Miller's The Flash. Like, he was one of, like, the moments that I laughed in the Justice League films, film was essentially pretty much all of Jason Momoa and none of the rest of them. Because at least he's got something. At least he's trying. I feel like the rest of the DC cast, with the possible exception of Gal Gadot, Gadot, Gal Gadot. That's it. Um, with the possible exception of her, I just feel like the rest of them aren't trying. They're phoning it in. And I don't think Jason Momoa is phoning it in. That's that's my personal opinion, though. Yeah, all right. I, yeah, I, I think that the argument of poor script, good actor only goes a certain distance, though, because I think someone like him who is shaping a character um, probably has more control over influencing the script than one would assume. Did you not? Because I think I wouldn't have enjoyed this film if I didn't find Jason Momoa likeable. I would have I would have hated this film if I didn't find him likable. And I found him likable and amiable throughout. I find him it. fascinating. I don't find him likable. Fascinating. Yeah, like he is he he he's a very interesting bloke. Um but like I didn't identify with any of the characters motivations. I didn't find any of his one-liners funny. Like there's a bit there's a bit in the Sahara Desert bit where they jump out of a plane and the Amber Heard jumps first and he looks at the pilot and goes Redheads, you gotta love them, and then jumps out of the plane. Like, oh, oh yeah, God. that was terrible. Like, I don't know, man. I, I just think it's a very one-dimensional character, and I think there were real stakes in this film. And I thought that Patrick Wilson as King Orm did quite a good job. I love Patrick um, Wilson as an actor. Yeah, he did, he did a really good job. Well, he um, worked with James Wan in Insidious, but, didn't like, he? There yeah. was, I didn't think I didn't feel like there was any real um, emotional depth to Aquaman at all. Like, he was just going along with things. And I think a large part of the film, it would be a more convincing line of inquiry to say that Aquaman ended up going to Atlantis and challenging his brother and going for all of this because he wanted to bang the attractive co-lead than he really cared about, like, possibly finding his mum again and all this kind of stuff. It, like, it juggled so many possible avenues for why Aquaman would want to go down this story that he's he, he goes on, this journey that he goes on, that by the end of it, I really wasn't sure 
what was in it for him mm. was it that he wanted to find his mum was it that he wanted to prove his dad proud was it that he wanted to meet his half brother and you know take him down because he's heard he's an arsehole was it frankly that he just thought that amber herb was really attractive and she was convincing him to do something so he was like fuck it yeah mm. yeah it yeah i um my my main problem with the film is that my not my main problem with the film. My main problem going forward is that now they've established James Wan has established with his, this Abercrombie franchise a light-hearted, crazy, zany, stupid um, world and a world that exists where it's beautifully stunning, oh, crazy over CGI, but in quite a nice way, quite a poppy, light color palette. Um, but the crucial thing about Aquaman is that he was reinvented in the nineties um, to be darker. His hand was cut off. He got a hook. He got this metal plating because he was scarred and tortured. Um, in you see in the nineties, um, Aquaman's son, um, Arthur Arthur Curry Jr., um, slaughtered as a baby in by Black Manta in front of both Mira and Aqu- and Aquaman. You then see their relationship break down and Mira going to an asylum um, in Atlantis, like and goes insane because of the grief of having a ba- having a child. You then see throughout the comics Arthur Curry being a recluse. In the Justice League um, comics later on, he's have, like Wonder Woman has to like coax him into like seeing life again because he's just this void character. And that's the most interesting stuff that Aquaman has ever done. It's like with the, it's like with Batman having the Dark Knight Rises um, and all um, the comic and stuff. Not the Dark Knight Rises, the comic. What's it called? Dark Knight Returns is the comic. Yeah. And the Killing the Joke Miller and stuff. Comic. Yeah, the Frank Miller comic and the Killing Joke and all these different comics that are like seminal parts of Batman that have tried to, that have been used in film to like tell a story. And now they've created this crazy, stupid, ni- almost nineteen forties like look of an Aquaman film. How are they going to do a dark film later on without just ruining it? And then that will be when they take out all the fun out of it, and that will when it that will be yeah. when it crashes. And I and I also think that out of what you just described of the journey that Aquaman goes in in the comic books, um, the only part of that that I think that Jason Momoa could convincingly portray is the recluse. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't see him doing the other bits. I could justice. see him doing rage, but I can't see him doing emotional rage. Yeah, at all. Um, should we go on to critic quote awards? Uh, let's go on to Critical Coast Awards, yes. What was your best description for Aquaman? I'm really happy with this description. I think <coughs> oh, it sums, yeah. up the, sums up the film really well. Uh, best description is from Bob Chipman from Geek. Chippy! Chippy! Um, he says, either the best bad movie or the worst good movie of 2018. Yeah? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it, it out Venom's Venom. Um, this is just fucking balls to the wall. I can't ridiculous. think of because we've either and I didn't expect it to out Venom Venom. That was the kind of the nice surprise. Is I like watching these. You know, we we spoke about it with the Meg. Like that was a shit film, but it wasn't so shit that it was fun. It was Correct. just shit. Venom and even more so Aquaman, in parts, are so shit that they are really that makes them really fun. Yeah, and I didn't think that was what we were going in for when I watched this film. I thought we were. Going I for thought another... we were going to go in for another serious DC film that juggles murky storylines and a dark color palette and doesn't really have any character development. In reality, what we got is way too much content, way too fast, but also spread over a massively bloated runtime mm. with a very quirky sense of humor and just some of the most ridiculous choices. There's a bit in this film where they're showing black Manta, the state of the art Atlantean, Atlantean like 
guns <laughs> and on the beach they take a conch like a, sh- a shell fill it with water pour the water into a capsule of the gun like it's a fucking washing machine and that is all you need to shoot a deadly red laser out of it the black manta then aims at an island and blows up the island it's yep. ridiculous and then in the laser when he shoots it at Aquaman later on it just burns his chest <laughs> uh, my best description is from Matthew Doherty of the Filtered Lens Doherty uh, he, said, Doherty. he said it's a more memorable movie than most of the lesser Marvel films and thus DC takes another step towards writing the ship Ah, oh, I think it does I think we're in the stage where DC has gone from being really dark and that's all they've known how to do to trying to be more light-hearted like Marvel, kind of having that awkward interim stage, which we're in now, and I think we'll probably still have with Shazam in March next year. And I think after that, hopefully, they will have learnt enough to really progress their films. Um, My hope is that the climax, not the climax per se, but where it all comes to a head, where this, de- where the DC Marvel um, battle, if you will. Um, it's going to be decided is going to be the Ezra Miller's Flash film because they have such an opportunity with the, that Flash film with all of the fl- the Flash history w- behind it is so interesting and so crazy and anarchic where they can pull all of the serious stuff that they want to do with a good director but they can also pull all the zany crazy stuff of Aquaman if they funnel that into the right way it's a winning combination the only danger the only red flag that Marvel have up their sleeve that might fuck up the Flash's flow <laughs> um, is the Quicksilver that's in the X-Men films currently. And obviously we've got mm. the X-Men Dark Phoenix film coming out next year. Quicksilver is played by oh, Evan Peters. Evan Peters from American Horror Story, from American Animals, which is still one of the best films we've reviewed all year. Yep. Um, we really didn't talk about that on the halfway episode. I think it's with American Animals. I think that sometimes when we do a screen screen unseen, we forget that we've done it. Yeah, because we put the episode title as Screen Unseen Volume One or Volume Two, etc. And then in our brains, that means that we're not constantly looking down a list of yeah, American right. Animals, etc. But no, Evan Peters Quicksilver. Um, he is so funny, and he does. They do great slow mo scenes with him, and he's only been proven to become a bigger part as it's going. Some of the most I like argued as some of the best scenes in X Men films. Period are some of the recent scenes where he's doing. You remember when they break into the Pentagon? Oh no, no, no. that's my point. But that's my thing with Evan Peters. That that scene, I have, I bought the song after it, the Jim Croak, Croak song. Um, I'd like it, it after time. It was one of the best pieces. Of, I love Dave's Future Past. Best pieces of uses of speed of of Quicksilver as a character of Evan Peters as an actor of like just a very funny scene and a perfect use of that superhero i just worry that they're going to ruin it with they they started already tarnishing it with x-men apocalypse being a bad film i worry that dark phoenix is not going to be a good film and that is going to tarnish evan peters yeah we'll see we'll but we'll see. see um what's your most savage description I've of Aquaman? have turned, you got a really good one well i've turned on my laptop by accident all right shall, um, I, tell, shall I tell you my you most tell, savage you one. tell me mine while it was rebooting so my most savage description of aquaman comes from kyle smith of the national review <laughs> and he says aquaman is such an eyeball scold and an, 
and, an, and an eardrum shiv, it makes me long for the relative excellence of Justice League. An eyeball scold and an eardrum shiv. I don't know what a shiv is. Like a like a knife in prison. Oh, you, like, you, a, like you, a shank. You shiv someone. Yeah, like a shank. <laughs> yeah, all right. Croydon. Is that east side, west side thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, Kent, that's what it is. <laughs> west side, <laughs> Um, my one is from James Vernane, um, from, God, where's James Vernane from? He's from somewhere. James Vernane, I, I haven't written where he's from and what he does, but you know, he's... he's James Vernane is an independent journalist. James Vernane is a man, He and he's always been a man, he still is a man. Um, and he has said, Momoa, while amiable, is like a handsome stuntman. He and Heard cannot carry the film. Derivative action, creatures from menu at Red Lobster. Creatures from the menu at Red Lobster? Yeah. Have you heard of Red Lobster? It's an American fast food thing which does um, seafood. Okay. Um, and it's like quite famous. Um, so I assume he's from an American place. Yeah. Place in America. And I assume he especially didn't like the Kingdom of the Brine fight scene then. No. Did you like the Kingdom of the Brine fight scene? I loved it. I thought it was the most over-the-top thing ever. It was like Peter Jackson had filmed it. It, it was a bit... It was ridiculous. It, it was, was like, a bit it, Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies. Mate, it, it was like James Wan should do a Lord of the Rings style thing at some point. Mm. what it showed me was that he can command like even if it was cgi to death he can command the fucking hell out of a cgi and he can, battle and he can create the seat the what he did with the cgi is they created a an unreal aesthetic for the film which allowed the cgi to be ridiculous and stupid yeah. and over the top because the color palette was so bright and also everything was cgi yeah, it was saturated yeah and yeah, yeah. no, that that added to like it, it it made things look nicer but also slightly less realistic yeah and yeah and it meant that a scene in italy didn't look like a, pl- a village in italy but that was kind of the point it, it wasn't supposed to look like did, sicily so concluding did you have a best moment of aquaman um I really enjoy the openings, openings fight scene with Nicole Kidman, just yeah, because it reminds me of Lighthouse. Yeah, in the Lighthouse. Yeah, really just because cool. it reminds me of um, one of my guilty pleasure favorite films, um, Immortals. Yeah, yeah. Do you know that? Yeah, film? brilliant film. Yeah. Um, Henry Cavill's in it, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I love that film. I just love the fight sequences, and it. it's just some of the best, coolest fight scenes that's ever been. Yeah, amazing. Um, what else do I like? Um, I like the fact that. Um, Doctor Shin, who is um, a person in this film, is played by the guy who was um, King John, Kim, Kim Jong Il, in the um, to- what's the film called? The Dictator. Uh, the interview. The, oh, the interview. Yeah, uh, the Dictator is the Satcha Baron Cohen one, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's also the Broom Shakalaka. I just like that he's the adult it. swim guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, he's so funny. He is so funny. And then what else? There was a, there was a big moment that I really really liked. I liked I liked the gladiator gladiator sequence. I didn't like how it ended. I, w- I wish that they had a proper, f- more of a fight. Yeah, that was but I liked cool. the gladiator sequence. Yeah, I uh, liked Topo playing the drums. I thought it was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I liked. Um, I can't get over that sh- that bell clock tower punch. I think that's ridiculous. I also love the bit where he does finally get his Aquaman costume. I think it is really badass, and I hope that he's just in that costume in this in the, the second film. Um, I don't like the costume. Oh, mate, I thought it looks incredible. I thought it looks so cool. I think the coolest um, thing about the Aquaman costume is that the Aquaman costume is so ridiculous and, and poppy, the old orange one. But it's 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 like like it's like um, submarine scuba diver outfit and gear. Yeah, I get and, that. And 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 Jason Momoa would look so huge in an outfit that's not just plated like a plated armor. Yeah, I would prefer it's, it. It's, if it was... pla- it's plated like fish scales. That's the whole point of it. Yeah, but so is the armor that's 
that's skin fitting. I just don't. I just don't like the fact that it's got like a. It's quite boxy. I feel. No, it is quite boxy. Agree to disagree. Okay, I'll agree to disagree. Uh, I thought it was banging. I thought it looked really cool. Um, I want to wear it, but I couldn't. I definitely. No matter how much armor, I definitely couldn't fill it out. I was going to say, like, I, you, you look great in clothes. That would suit you the least Thanks out of well. anything. <laughs> no, it would. It's not your colour. It's not your It's not your Jay, size. The, the last compliment you get of 2018, you look great in clothes. You look wonderful in clothes. <laughs> just not them. Um, um, out of 10, mate, Aquaman. You just gave Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse a nine. Fuck it, I'll give Aquaman a 10. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Sacrilege. Everyone calm down. Um, I will give Aquaman... Because I did enjoy it, I'm gonna give it a five point five. Really? Because it's terrible, but it's more. What did I give Venom? Oh, mate, I can't tell you now. You'd have to look. It oh, up, Venom mate. might be in a six point five. I can't get this film. A, I need to give this film a better one than Venom. But it's you just enjoyed not it more than seven. Venom because I enjoyed this more than Venom. No, I enjoyed this more than Venom. This film. All right, I'll tell you. If you're different, this film for me is a solid seven. It's a seven. Yeah, I like it a lot. I thought. I thought it. It was. It was really well done visually. I thought that it was like it, it did have a lot of actors in it that did a good job. I just feel like the lead actors didn't do a great job. I thought that I miss so much that narrative style of kind of adventure films of the early noughties that kind of took you on a, like a kind of destination tour. Um, Spend their budget and in and stupid it, ways, and were, ways that are yeah, not helpful. And, and they were finding a clue at each destination. Kind of thing. I, I miss all of that. I really do. And I think that that kind of has been lost in favour of more artsy ways of structuring movies. Mm. Um, and so purely for nostalgia reasons and the fact that it's the most I've enjoyed a DC film as of late, I'm giving it a seven. Fair enough. I will stick. I will up my one to a six, not a 5.5. 5. Um, I still do think that this film is probably worse than Ven- Venom, but it does make it better really? than Venom. No, I think it's worse than Venom as a film. This as so an enjoyable project and product, it's a, it's it's much better than Venom. I think on both levels it's better than Venom. The problem I had with Venom was there was a great movie in there screaming out, but it was only great for about a third of the film. Mm. Uh, this was, you know, yes, it was wacky. Yes, it was zany, but it was consistent. And yeah, it was consistently too long, <laughs> but it was consistent nonetheless. Consistently too long. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> You fucking clusterfuck. Yeah. Um, um, fun little game I have just before we end the podcast. <laughs> go on then, mate. <laughs> but, but it's quick. Got, what what is the link between Spider-Man? People and... want to go to bed now. What's the link We've been between? For ages. What's the link between Spider-Man and this film? What? What? Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? No, just generally Spider-Man and Aquaman. Link between Spider-Man and Aquaman. It uh, is about films, but it's it's. I'm going to say more specifically to ooh. Aquaman. Let's think of the whole of the canon of um, Spider-Man. Oh, mate, I don't know. I don't know. Think about actors. Oh, it's going to be something to do with Tobey Maguire. No. He was originally cast as Aquaman. No, think about actors. No. Andrew Garfield. No, think about... Tom Holland. No, don't think about Spider-Man per se. Think about other people who are in the Spider-Man universe. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Close. Oh, really? Aunt not May. really, not really. Aunt but May. No. MJ. No. Oh, mate, I don't know. Just tell Green me. Goblin. William Dafoe is in the film. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's obvious. <laughs> that's so obvious. Um, and Willem Dafoe is in the film, and that's a much... Like, he, d- he does nothing in this film. It's such a shame. He looks uh, like a leprechaun as well. 
He does. And he just he looks like he's melting. He's look. He, he looks like I am. Uh, why am I? Why have I paid, been paid to do this? <laughs> yeah, he, he really does. He's like, am I? Am I in a dip of my career now? <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, oh fuck it. it! They're paying me eighty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, and he was. He's he's the sidekick as opposed to the big badass villain of the Green Goblin films. Very and true. That, which is a shame. But there we go. That is it, mate. The battle of Marvel and DC. Uh, Sony versus Spider-Man. DC, important oh, distinction. Sony, in association with Marvel Pictures, <laughs> um, has won the battle, uh, which was yeah quite predictable. Um, next week, we are taking a break. It's Christmas. Hmm. Sorry, folks. We're uh, going to chill out for a bit, eat some mince pies, drink some Baileys. But we will be back very, very early in January with a probably another bumper episode because fuck it, you know we love a bumper episode. Yep. Uh, we plan to watch Mary Poppins Returns, which comes out over the Christmas holidays here. Uh, we might sneak in the favourite in the first episode back, but that might come the week after we yeah, get back. Yeah, makes sense. Um, but nonetheless, we are very excited for that. Um, and maybe we'll get a bit of bumblebee reviewing action in because everyone's going mad for this film and i want to know whether it's one of those get on the hype train rotten tomato rave review systems or whether it's actually a good movie and uh unbeknownst to me um jake told me earlier um rosa alfonso cron's roma roma alfonso cron's film has just dropped and uh I, even though I can't get the name right, I actually have been excited for this film quite, for quite a while. Yeah, it, well, um, I mean, again, that's another one that is immediately, even though it's just come out on Netflix, popping up on people's best of the year lists, mm. uh, which is just insane. So, yeah, we've got a lot of films to look at, but that's why we're a film podcast and we're going to get them to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What else would we do? Yeah. <laughs> um, once again, thank you very much. Um, Merry, Merry Christmas to all of you and a Happy New Year. Um, please stay in touch with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and no one emails us. I'm not going to say that. Well, no one tweets us. <laughs> <laughs> we, we tweet people. We have a really good Instagram and Facebook. The Twitter needs a bit of work. <laughs> New Year's resolutions. Twitter. Um, and with that, we will see you all in 2019. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas.